Life's a Mitch. G'day guys, welcome back to episode 44 of Life's a Mitch. So last week I spoke to Mike Valdez, we did a two-part uh, comedic, com- comedic series. Um, he's an American stand-up comic and uh, actor, producer, so feel free to check him out. And last week's bio. So this week, I've got a, got a bit of a special treat. So many of you are familiar with the time I met Turk and JD of Scrubs, firstly on Mastermind, the TV show, and then I was lucky enough to appear on their podcast, Fake Doctors, Real Friends, and in the feed. On the, there's a Facebook group as well, and I made friends with many of you out there. And uh, this this opportunity came up. A guy by the name of Jared Weissfilner is a former production worker on the show. He's a he made a few cameos. He worked in the industry for a long time. He's worked on shows like Cougar Town, Better Things. He's been in Zach Brass movie as well, Garden State, amongst many other achievements. But I just wanted to talk Scrubs, and we fortuitously got a former member of the cast. So I'd like to welcome Jared. How are you doing today? What's going on, Mitch? Thanks for having me on. Um, doing lovely. Everything is great. Yeah. So uh, all of what I was hoping to do is today we could go over some of your stories with your time on Scrubs and your other time in the media as well and to what you're doing today and, you know, some of the talk about some of your achievements and share some of your funny stories if you were, if you were eager to do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's uh, pretty amazing how I found you and, um, you know, with Zach and Donald's new podcast, just uh, bringing scrubs back into uh, people's lives again. I mean, it's been off the air for a while now. And I was kind of amazed of how many fans um, are part of this uh, fan club on Facebook. It's just great to see. Crazy, but um, yeah, it's amazing. It's like the show's been done for over 10 years and you guys are still loving it. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think in many ways it still holds up. Like I, I quote Scrubs to this day. My best friend and I, Brooks here, like Turk and JD, like just a pair of absolute idiots just having a good time. And, uh, you know, my friend, my other good friend, Dave, got me involved in the show, like in this podcast as well. So, you know, shout out to them. And, you know, as we're going along, I first just wanted to ask you, when did you, how did you self, how did you find yourself in the entertainment industry and how did you end up on the cast of Scrubs? Can you tell us about that? Sure. So um, I grew up, I was born and raised in New York. And um, as a kid, I had uh, purchased, you know, uh, just a home camcorder, would make my own videos and with my friends. And we would uh, kind of show it to our parents after we completed it and um, didn't have any props or anything. We just used whatever we had. And I just got the feel for producing and, and making uh, my own movies. Um, when I was, I want to say probably 14, 15 years old, I, uh, I flew out to LA, Los Angeles, and um, I found myself on my first television uh, set. And it was in Warner Brothers in Burbank, California. And I was just amazed of the whole environment from, from the cast to the crew to being on like this Hollywood set I was just amazed and I knew right then and there that this is something that I wanted to get myself into uh, as soon as I was finished with my school Um, so I went back home to New York and you know tried to get finished with college and first high school obviously in college as soon as I can Um, I took uh, all television classes and focused on that television productions and communications in school and what I did was I also uh, landed a couple of internships um, in New York City Um, I was an intern on a talk show here in states called The View Uh, I was an all ladies uh, cast still going Um, and so that's how I got my first um, credit on my resume. And then I did a couple of soap operas here, All My Children, and I did a talk show. Um, so when I graduated college, I flew out to LA, literally a couple of days after my graduation, had a couple of dollars in my pocket, didn't know where I was going to land, didn't know if I was going to be back in a month or two, had no idea what was going on. Um, and I was lucky enough to uh, be able to stay at a family member's house rent-free for a few weeks. And, you know, I literally got there. Next day, I started looking through all the trades and trying to get all the numbers and and fax numbers at the time because email wasn't, I mean, it was around, but they didn't, didn't really have email addresses to productions where you can get your hands on. Um, and I just started sending in my resume with three credits and I was like, you know, let's see how it goes. Uh, I've heard so many people tell me before I left, like, oh, don't worry. He'll be back in two months. He's not going to make it. It's a competitive industry. It's really difficult. 
most people come back. And I was like, there's no way in hell that that's what I'm going to do unless I myself wanted to do that. Um, and so I uh, found myself for, I think it was about a good two months, um, not getting any work. I was every day calling the same people and they were like, you know, we just told you uh, if something comes up, we'll let you know. And uh, luckily uh, about two months later, I got a call from uh, scrubs and they were like, Hey, we got your resume. Um, come out and interview with us. I was like, absolutely. So a uh, day later, I, you know, it's funny because I, I came with a suit and, you know, I thought you have to get all dolled up for these types of things in the en entertainment industry. And they don't want to see that. They want you to be in like, you know, button down shirt or even a pair of jeans and a pair of khakis maybe, but a suit, they're going to laugh at you. So mm -hmm. like, I was like, what do you do? You know? So I, I, I um, got some pointers and um, went down there. I nailed it, uh, my interview. And uh, the next day I got a phone call saying, you're starting tomorrow. And I was like, oh my God, uh, I did it. Um, and at that point, it was the beginning. It was the second season of Scrubs hasn't even uh, started up yet. So it was really in the beginning of the, uh, the end of the first season where this all took place. I had no idea what Scrubs was about. I didn't know what it was about to become. Um, so I just went down there and, uh, you know, just started working and um, just was so lucky to land this job with such great people. I know you guys hear it all the time. The crew, just amazing. Um, I don't think I would ever find another family crew environment like we had at Scrubs. But um, so I started working there. I started as a production assistant. So as a production assistant, you do things like um, make lots of copies and go out and get coffees and get people their lunches. And we had um, our offices were on the third floor of the hospital, which was an abandoned hospital. And on the third floor, it was the producers. It was the cast. It was hair and makeup and um, wardrobe. And so they decided, hey, let's bring our dogs to work. <laughs> and before you knew it, there were six or seven dogs at one time. And we were in charge of them because, you know, cast is busy doing their thing. They're on set. They're you know, studying their lines or whatever it is while they're there. They don't have time to take their dogs out for walks or um, clean up after them. So that was that was a good, I'd say, year or two working at Scrubs. Um, instantly became uh, family. They just open you with what you know, welcome you with open arms. Um, and then I was able to, over the, over the years and over the seasons, just stay with them. And they, they showed me and they taught me so many things. Um, so I was there from the second season all the way up to the last season um, with Scrubs. And then at the end of that, you know, it was this situation where you are lucky enough to be working with the same people for so many years, but at the same time, you don't know anybody else. So Double when a show like sword. that, yeah. So when a show like that gets canceled or is just not renewed anymore, um, you feel lost because you're like, oh my God, I'm back to where I was when I first got here. However, you get the experience and I was lucky enough to move up um, so I was a production assistant. And by the time Scrubs was um, over for the series, I was a production coordinator, um, which is a union position. And so, you know, it took a little time uh, for me to understand like, hey, you just got to put yourself back out there again. And then I was lucky enough to um, work on another great project. Uh, it was for Nickelodeon. Uh, it's called Big Time Rush. It was like a boy band kid show. But that was five years. And then I just learned, you know what, it's all about networking and who you know, and putting yourself out there. And if you're able to do that, and you work hard, you go places. Yeah, nice. So that's, yeah. I heard, you know, hearing stories of like my friend, Mike, he's been in the entertainment industry 15 years. Uh, you hear like, like Zach and Donald and Joel and Daniel as well, you know, to, to be successful in the entertainment industry, um, you need to spin a lot of plates and the idea to do that is to stay relevant. So it sounds like, you know, basing your time on scrubs and then furthering on to other programs that you've been on. So your better things, your Cougar towns, your, your highlands, and, you know, just looking at your, mm -hmm. you're on IMDb. So, you know, he's official folks. This is fantastic. And um, <laughs> I was going to, I was just curious. Um, 
with your time on Scrubs, um, you know, we'll talk about Cougar Town and stuff later if you'd like to, but I was just curious as to who were some of the like funnier members of staff that don't get credit for how funny they actually were, even behind the scenes. Um, if you're talking about like crew or, or cast? Both. It can be anyone. You know, I want to start with Johnny C. Uh, I know he's obviously a talent on his own and he's just an amazing um, actor, but as a person, he's just hilarious. He... Um, he would, you know, work out. We had a gym downstairs and he would work out and he would just come up with a towel and be like, you know, hey guys, you know, he, he called me Javi for some reason. Uh, I had a lot of nicknames on that show too. <laughs> so I, I'll get to that later, but he called me Javi. And one day I was walking and doing something serious and he literally came out of his dressing room and he was like, hey, Javi. And he literally had a towel on and I was like, uh, okay. Um <laughs> Who was funny? Uh, Rob Machio, classic, classic guy. Guy would just <laughs> throw in jokes all the time. Banana hammock jokes. He he is Todd. He is like just hilarious. He just makes everybody laugh. And um, Sam Lloyd was just, uh, Sam left us, passed away. But he was just funny in his own, you know, in his own way with singing and him and his group, they would always uh, rehearse in the dressing room and the, the songs were just so funny. They always cheered everybody up. Um, but, you know, you hear it all the time. The whole crew, we were a family for eight to nine years. I think pretty much everybody knew each other. There were Scrubs babies, meaning like we had um, crew that had babies in the beginning and like towards the end, they were like eight or nine years old and you just watch them grow up. Crazy. Um, it, it was just an amazing atmosphere. We also had um, Bill Lawrence had was very very strict about this. It was called the no asshole policy. Yeah, I heard um, he's Zach my friend. Talk about that a little bit. And so the the minute someone found out that you were causing problems or you were an asshole, no, you were gone. Yeah. Like they did not want that in their family. And thankfully. I mean, I don't even think we had any. Um, I don't think anybody ever was let go because of that. So, you know, we knew each other. We were family. We worked with each other for, as you guys know, so long, like 60 to 70 hours a week. And then after the work was over on Friday nights, we would just hang out. Literally, it was it was amazing. It was the best years of my life, I have to say. That's cool. And I, for those of you, you would have seen Jared on screen too. So some of your cameos, you were in JD's flashback the first time you tried to hug Turk, I think. And it was, uh, you just team won the World Series and he flipped him over his shoulder. <laughs> and then you've also been choked by Dr. Cox a few times. <laughs> yeah, somehow I got, I became the choking guy. So there were two, um, two episodes. I believe they were in the same season. Uh, I don't recall. I think it was the season three. So I was still new there and uh, we were at a production meeting and um, one of the 80s was like, hey, what about Jared for that role? And I was like, oh, shit. Um, the first time, I, I think it was when I was choking on a piece of gum and uh, the the night that we shot that scene just before I was, you know, I was all nervous, never done this before. Johnny C comes out and he goes, hey, Javi, don't fuck it up. And I was like, what? What? You know, like literally was in shock. And then I started panicking and I was worrying and I was like, oh, my God, he's telling me not to fuck it up. What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but then I found that he was just kicking around. Um, but, yeah, we they they used me in a lot of uh, flashbacks and I did um, a rerun. I was one of the rerun dancers. Yes. Um, I think I had a vasectomy in one episode. So anytime they were looking for somebody, I was always like, I'm I'm ready. And then, like, uh, you know, I was always open. I was like to have a good time on set. So. We had, you know, like lots of partying going on, a lot of Christmas parties. So every year, a Christmas party, they would dress me up as an elf. <laughs> and literally every season, every year, it was a different costume. And they literally made me look, I was a space elf once. I was a magic elf another time. And so literally I would dress up as an elf and I would pass around our crew gifts to all the crew. Um, you know, just, just love to have a good time with everybody. I was always willing to put myself out there and take it for the team. That's cool. So uh, I've got a, yeah. got a few questions from some of the guys from the Fake Doctors Real Friends page, if you're happy to take some of those. Absolutely. Okay, so this one's from Catherine Thornton. Zach and Donald 
always talk about on the podcast how tight the cast and crew were filming for 12 hours a day and then going out to bars etc do you have any cool stories hanging out with everyone at these parties or special events um yeah definitely there's always cool stories um so it wasn't every every weekend but a lot of weekends uh or friday nights i should say you know depending on what time we wrapped uh zach and donald were always like so where are we going tonight and we would call you know there's a lot of local bars um around town just a few blocks away and they would uh, be so generous they'd put their credit cards down and everyone would get uh, like a secret code that we would uh, tell the bartender and so when we would order drinks um, we just give her the code and wouldn't charge us and they would just run up the card and they'd, they'd keep their their card down for about maybe two hours you know each Friday night and at that time you know you're you've worked so many hours during the week you just want to go home and get some rest or be with your family but there's something about it when you're walking out after a week and someone's like hey you coming and you're just like "Mm, yeah I'll go you go you go to the bar so one night we went to this um this British pub down the street and uh there happened to be uh another television crew just a few guys from the show 24. Oh, Jack Bauer. Yep. I remember 24. Yeah. And, you know, we're there having a couple of beers and I don't know, it's probably one, two o'clock in the morning. A lot of people are leaving. All of a sudden, who walks in but Keeper Sutherland? Ooh. And we're literally sitting outside. It was me and two of my coworkers. And he comes by and he just comes over to us and starts talking to us, you know, where are you guys working on? And we told him, you know, we're with the Scrubs crew. And he's like, oh my God, I love that show. It's a great show. Would love to, you know, maybe possibly get on it sometime. And so we were like, hey, you know, get in touch with Bill Lawrence and see if we can make it work. Um, long story short, uh, it was it was late already. I was exhausted. I was just like, I got to go home. Um, but what I found out was if I stayed about five minutes later, uh, he invited my two friends back to his house Oh no! Uh, with a couple of other guys uh, to do karaoke singing. And, and they just partied and had a great time for, I don't know, till six, seven o'clock in the morning. Um, so that was, that's a, that's a great story. I, I missed it, but definitely got to hang out with him. And and it was just weird. You're just sitting outside, you know, and you're talking to Keeper Sutherland and he's just like, what's up? How's it going? Um, you know, but yeah, it, you know, Zach, Donald, Bill, a lot of the other cast, they always were so generous. They, they literally wanted to be with us and they wanted to have a good time with us and they wanted to give us a good time. So uh, never forget that. That's we had cool. such such great times with them. I wish I was old enough to have worked on it as well. It sounds awesome. Uh, got a question here from Kate. Kate Wilk, what do you wish the general public knew about production work and what is one thing you wish was more common knowledge about the process? Um, well, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I would say, uh, you know, when we work in production, it's freelance. So that means you're not guaranteed anything except for that day that you come to work. Um, A lot of people are weekly hires. Some people are daily hires. But once you're working on a show, which, by the way, could be canceled um, at any time um, or anything could happen for a shutdown, uh, you're back on your own. And that's the difficult part about the industry is like you don't get to sign a contract for, you know, unless you're a cast member or or a regular on the show, Um, your, your employment is is temporary and so a lot of people think you know like oh you work in the television industry you're, you're good you're golden but a lot a lot of times it's really difficult because you work one day and you're not sure you're not guaranteed to be able to come back uh to work or even when that shows wrapped it's like uh-oh i gotta i gotta find a job so yeah. you're constantly constantly looking for work i mean you can be working for two or three months at a time and then that's that's the hard part about the industry is that you know most people outside of the entertainment industry they have jobs for really long times and and television you might not so comes back comes back to that whole spinning needing to spin a lot of plates so you can kind of stay relevant i mean even some of the other some of the other crew like zach He's gone to directing, of course, as we all know, and Donald's, you know, done voiceover work. He's done, you know, stop motion animation, just some examples of, um, you know, trying to spin different plates and whatever else. So uh, another question from, I hope I'm saying this right, from Del Osai Obusu. I apologize if I said that wrong. Is there an episode where you've been really proud of everyone acting the hell out of it, giving it their all? And um, was there a moment you've just gone, damn, that's fire, a moment that you've 
or the crew or the cast has been absolutely proud of? Hmm. Um, there's a few. Uh, first of all, for me, the, the last episode was the hardest because we knew we were done. Um, and we, you know, we brought back so many cast members and actors from previous seasons. And we, you know, we got that last scene where Zach's walking in the hallway and he's seeing all people that he came into contact while he was working in the hospital in his past. Um, and there's something about it when that scene where he gets to the, the sliding doors and there's a screen where he's looking at the future and the shot of him and his face and his reaction to taking it all in. I literally cried. Uh, this was months after we shot it. I was done working there. And when it, it aired, I was sitting there and it was really tough. I thought everyone did a great job, but Zach literally killed it in that scene. Um, another one was, um, forgive me, it's been so long. It's the episode with Brendan Fraser mm. um, and Johnny C, I think, hit it out of the park uh, when they were at the cemetery and he's talking and Zach goes, where do you think we are? Who mm. do you think you're talking to? That's getting me goosebumps right now. Oh, a season three, that is. Yes. That, that also for me was like just incredible. You know, you get so sensitive about these things. Um, and I'm sure there were countless others that I'm not thinking of right now, but those two definitely stuck with me and especially me being there. You know, I witnessed it all. And um, that's where I was just like, wow, you know, this is this is a great show. That's cool. One of my favorite moments is uh, you got Dr. Cox, the episode where he loses three patients and the phrase playing how to save a life. And you see him throw the chair and arms on the back of the head. And that gets me every time. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, one thing that I've loved about the show, obviously you laugh your head, your head off for every, just about every episode, but some uh, have some moments that are quite confronting and, quite you know sad but that's what mate that's why i loved it it resonated with me it finished yeah. when i was about 17 or 18 so like um sort of fate like finished school around the same time so it was like what am i going to do now <laughs> and uh but it was it was really cool going on and you know still quotes to this day resonate with me and you know i'm always going to be a fan of it so next question is from leon safel i think i'm saying that right what was the most difficult day you had on set personally or did you have a day where everything just didn't turn out the way you wanted it to be um, yeah, I mean, that's, let me think. I think there was a day where, I mean, most days were, were, were great. You know, um, you have outside stuff that affects your life and you got to kind of put that away, um, while you're at work because no one wants to really deal with, you know, even though that there's some stuff going on personally. Um, I'd say the hardest day I had is I, um, like I said, in the beginning, we would take care of the dogs. Uh, on on the floor and one day I decided to take our producer's dog out for a walk and she's trained and she just had a collar on but didn't have a leash because she didn't need one and our parking lot was literally um, gated so you couldn't really get out into the street unless the gate was open and so I was walking with her and a car pulled up it happened to be one of our riders and he stopped and he uh, opened up the window to say hello to me and when he opened up the window, he stuck his hand out the window and scared the dog. The dog got startled and she took off. And not only did she take off, but she literally got out of the parking lot. She crossed the street onto oncoming traffic, which caused two cars to hit each other. Oh, shit. And then literally ran into a yoga class that was full of people taking yoga and was running around. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to get fired. What the heck is going to happen? So the first thing I had to do was run across the street, grab the dog, you know, grabbed it by its collar, called the producer, um, asked him to come over. He ran over real quick and got the dog, you know, and I was like, it's my fault. Like I'm the one that took the dog out, but you know, we never took the dog out with the leash, but I just took it to heart. And then it caused an accident, um, which was the worst part. But Luckily, everyone was, um, you know, no one was hurt. Everyone was safe. And what, how we made it up was we just invited the two people that had the car accident who were fans of the show. We invited them to uh, watch some shooting the following day just to make it up, you know, gave them a tour, introduced them to everybody. Um, and that kind of made up for it. But luckily, no one was hurt. It was just a little fender bender. So that was a rough day for me. Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, 
that's fair enough, man. Um, so next question is this is one of mine. Yeah. You know, with all your time on the show, you know, starting at season two, you set up to season eight, uh, nine. Um, along the way, what's a friendship or who is someone that you're really close with? Can be one of the production staff or directors or whoever cast members whoever um someone that i continued a, a friendship with is one of the producers um her name is liz newman um and she was a co-producer and then she produced um season nine um and we just hit it off she uh to this day remains a really close friend of mine i've worked with her on many other projects after scrubs um and we became almost like family members so like i literally know her kids and We've spent holidays together and um, we just get each other. She shares things with me that she wouldn't share with anybody else, you know, at work. Um, aside from her, you know, I, I had, a, I think, a great relationship with all the cast, um, Donald and Zach. Uh, they would fool around with me all the time because my, my, um, my desk and office was literally in the middle of the bullpen of like we're a nurse's station. So anytime they went back to their dressing room, they would have to cross my desk, you know, and they would always like, you know, flick my ear or, you know, <laughs> just playful, you know, um, give me a hug, whatever it was. Um, but between them and and um, and Liz Newman um, really stand out from, from everyone else. Every, the, like I said, the crew was amazing. I can't, I can't really uh, leave anybody out. I'll say the crew to every, you know, as, as everybody. But Liz Newman definitely um, has helped me along the way. Fair enough. Any of the did any of the games that were played on the show happen behind the scenes? So, for example, like hide the saltine or something like that. Did anyone ever try pull that off? No, I don't think so. Um, not not to my knowledge. Um, hmm. Somewhere out there, so I wouldn't imagine it's quite common. But you never know. No, I mean we were always playing games with each other. Always, always fooling around. Um, but not that I can recall anything that actually made it onto screen. Ah, fair enough. Well, we might just change it up for a little bit. So yeah, every episode, it's about two main elements, storytelling and this part, having a good old whinge wine or in Australia, we call it having a sook. So I was wondering, Jared, would you like to have a bitchy with Mitchie today? Absolutely, man. So, okay, the idea behind this, it's in the title, but the idea is to get something off your chest that pisses you off, could have been on the time on Scrubs or time on any of your other shows. Um, but what's something that really grinds your gears and that you want to sort of put out in the universe? So due to the COVID and this pandemic, we've done a lot of, uh, you know, um, delivery, food delivery. And th- can it be outside of work? or? Yeah, it can be anything okay. you want. Yeah. So every single time I order delivery food service or we have something called Instacart where they you know, go food shopping for you. It's either wrong or they mess it up or they don't give me what I want. It's so frustrating. I don't know why people have a hard time following a few simple directions. Even today, I ordered some food and it didn't show up. I got something else. And by the time they drop it off and leave, you can't get to them. So it's always having to battle with either the restaurant or the online service or, you know, where I use it's, it's never easy. Never, ever easy for me. Oh, that feels good to get out in the universe. Hey, <laughs> seriously, man. I had a, how about you? I am um, in regards to, so where I'm at, I am, I'm a little country town called Curry Curry place. So shit. They named it twice. Um, it's, it's um Uber Eats is only just. Do you guys uh, have curry there? Do you eat good curry? Oh, it's an Aborigine Indigenous Australian name meaning the first. So this was like the first mining settlement around. So it's spelled K U double R I. But there is there is an Indian curry shop just around the corner, and just like the name suggests, it is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Oh wow. It's uh so recently we got menu log and Uber Eats out here. And similar for me, every time you order it, it either rocks up cold because what I'm in like a, there's a few units where I live. So yeah. I'm the second one up the driveway and often you'll see them ringing you like, oh, which one is it? It's like, read the, read the instructions, you dickhead. How hard is it? You try to throw, you try to soar like an eagle, but you're surrounded by turkeys. Absolutely every time. It is ridiculous. <laughs> um, my bitch of the week is in Sydney, um, there's a recent cluster start of COVID starting to grow again. So yeah. I'm about an hour and a half north of uh, Sydney, which is my closest capital city. And 
We've got about 700 active cases at the moment. And people have been asked to lock down. Like even where we are, we have to wear masks and check in everywhere like for tracing. Fair enough. Uh, the rollout here is shit as well in terms of the vaccine. So people just aren't getting the message. Like just stay home unless you have to go to work or groceries, whatever. And uh, that's what's pissing me off is that people are just selfishly going interstate and affecting people along the way. And it's just frustrating, man, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough time for everybody. This year has been, it's awful. And as a matter of fact, what, um, what, what I do right now, because um, I've held many positions in my career in the industry, uh, I'm actually um, currently a health and safety manager for Disney. Yeah, wow. And so uh, what that means is that I'm uh, assigned to a production and I have to manage everybody on that production, making sure that they're following protocol. Um, and the problem we have is that um, some of the protocols that we keep in order for you to work for Disney uh, don't necessarily align with what the CDC or our local um, government uh, puts out there. It's, it's a little bit more. So, for example, here in Los Angeles, they uh, just recently lifted wearing masks if you're vaccinated. And so at work at Disney, Disney's saying you still need to wear a mask. And we're, I'm having to argue with people about when they come to work that they still have to wear their mask. And they're saying to me, well, I, I don't have to. And I said, you know, because this is what Disney's saying. If you want to work for Disney, this is how you what you need to follow. So I totally get it. It is, uh, it's horrible. It's, it's definitely a, a bitchy. Um, so yeah, let's hope this, this all ends soon. For me personally, I would prefer to have extra precautions in place, you know, because you feel safer at work and then you can deliver a, a, a better result. You'd think but anyways, okay, well, you know, I, I was in a, I work in the mining industry and it's all high risk, you know, high risk work, you explosives and dump trucks and dig excavators and stuff. And, you know, we, um, we, we have to wear masks except for when we're operating the gear by ourselves. Um, no matter where you are in the world, like I'm on the opposite side of the world to you and I feel more comfortable knowing that the extra precautions are taking place and that way we can get through this shit at the end. But anyways. Um, You're in the land down under. Where women go, men plunder. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, so we've been pretty lucky. We've had not even had a, a, like just over 900 deaths so far since it began. So we're pretty lucky in that regard, but just about you a bit more about yourself. What, what, what can you, what do you find yourself doing when you're not at work? I'm sorry to grill you so much about work. What, uh, what does Jared like to do in his spare time? Well, I have uh, a family, so I have two children and I'm happily married. Um, I love being with my kids and my wife. I'm a huge uh, boxing fan. So uh, pre COVID would go to all the local fights and if couldn't get there, would watch them on TV. Uh, I love to sleep. <laughs> I love to eat uh, and drink very good foods, um, fine foods. Um, and I like to travel. I love, yeah. I love like uh, going to different islands and sitting by a pool or a nice ocean and having a nice drink and just looking out into the distance and, and relaxing. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Where to, when you can, where, where would you like to go? I really want to go to Hawaii, any of like Bahamas, Mexico, those types. I, I do have to come out to Australia. I do have family out there and, uh, we we definitely owe them a visit. They've come out to the states uh, a few times already, so definitely gonna have to hit up Australia soon. Do it. We're a big island. We got beaches and plenty of beer. <laughs> I know. I hear it's it's unbelievable. I'm of crap. We're in uh, Melbourne. Are yeah, you that's... close to there? Uh, it's about well, a nine hour drive. So I'm in the state of New South Wales, and Melbourne is the capital city. Other states south to me, Victoria. It's about hour fifteen in a plane or a nine hour drive. So not got it. Uh, not the furthest, but you know, Melbourne's a great city. I love it down there. Uh, so when you do come out, make sure you check out Ligon Street. It has some of the greatest coffee in the world. So they say Melbourne Melburnians are very proud of their their coffee and their their AFL. So if you can catch a, an Australian League football game down there as well, if you're here during the season, it's a must do. Oh wow, that sounds it's exciting. It's kind of a hybrid between rugby and basketball. You got these great athletic blokes, 22 members on each team around a big field. You got to essentially kick a ball through sticks and they're always doing handball passes. And it's interesting, um, but it's, what? it's, I'll send you a, a YouTube link as to how it works. And I'm a massive rugby league fan. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with how rugby is big yep. hits, no pads and just a bunch of buffets just going for it. 
<laughs> yes, that's what they do. Well, that's probably why we're down under because we just keep the stupidity down here and out of the way so we don't hurt anyone else. <laughs> so let me, is it okay if I ask you a question? Yeah, for, for sure. So why do you think Scrubs is one of the best underrated shows? Because, well, at the time, it was showing the same time as Friends. So, of course, all the attention would have gone to shows like that. And what I think makes it underrated and one of the best is because for me and many of my friends, it suited our sense of humor and mm-hmm. the references that were made, you know, we had some, some of the greatest episodes had Australians on there and Australian singers on there as well. So like the opening uh, episode to season two, you had Colin A's on there singing, you know, saying went land down under and stuff. Like, no, sorry. He's saying land down under a different time. So like there was little snippets in there for everybody. And I think mm-hmm. one thing that makes it hold up and stay relevant is that, I mean, I know it's wacky and goofy and these fantasies would never become true, but the older I get, I can still go back to it and understand jokes I didn't pick up as a teenager. Right. And, and the acting is so good, man. Like, um, especially I was a huge Sam Lloyd fan. He's, you know, the, the, the sad, oh man, like that resonated with me so much. And he was my favorite character apart yeah. from the janitor of course but um just i don't know i just got it the, the janitor's randomness that's oh, it's always been me i can come up with garbage on the spot um did a lot of improv at school and i don't know just for me i can only answer on my own behalf but i've just always loved it and i've always resonated with it and i don't know if you've uh for me but i wore this onesie on an australian tv show uh, mastermind and i did um, see that yes and yeah and that's how i turned up on the podcast and someone started a reddit thread and I had my head freshly shaved and I was about oh, 10 pounds heavier than I am now. And uh, it's just so much five pounds of crap stuffed into a two pound bag. And it was just, <laughs> it looked horrendous, man. And had a good time and I had a laugh with them and, and just, yeah, to, to talk to them as well. It's just, it just seems like everyone was always happy. And I don't know, just, does that answer your question or am I just rambling on like a dickhead? No, absolutely. No, no. I think any answer is is correct. There's no wrong answers. Um, you know, cause I always questioned it myself, you know, at the time I, I, I had no idea, um, how the show, you know, I don't think anybody knew that the show was going to become such, um, almost like a cult hit, you know, like to this day, people are referencing all the quotes and, 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 I mean, you guys have a fan club for their podcast and there's other fan clubs for Scrubs in general. It's, it's amazing after all these years that, you know, there's so many fans out there and you just sit there and wonder, it's like, where, where was all this attention um, while we were producing it? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was doing good, but it was nowhere near, like if we had, I believe, you know, everybody on board, like who's on there now and all the attention now, back then i think it might have been a different outcome Maybe. Um, i mean but you know but we had nine nine seasons so that's that's extremely extremely rare in this industry to get nine seasons out of a show yeah and uh, so. perhaps also because it was filmed in a time sort of just as it was ending social media was becoming a bigger thing you know maybe if it was filmed in the age of TikTok and Facebook and Insta, like things might've been different and different jokes used, but I guess we'll never know. Um, but right. he's, open, he's open one day for a reunion show. That'd be awesome. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Um, so <laughs> after Scrubs, what are some of the more like your prouder achievements work-wise that you've achieved? Like, so some of the shows you've loved working on, some projects you've undertaken, what are some more memorable projects for yourself that you've loved? Um, well, like you said, uh, I did the, the pilot of Cougar Town, and then um, when that got picked up, um, I I did the last season of Scrubs, season nine. So I wasn't able to do the first season of Cougar Town. So I looked for work, um, and I was the associate producer on a Nickelodeon show here and um, called Kid uh, Big Time Rush. So that was great to get from. Uh, going from a production coordinator and getting that producer credit um, really was a major um, impact in, in, in my life. Uh, and then um, shows like, I also did the Kaminsky Method, which was on Netflix. And I got to work with uh, Michael Douglas. And, you know, we won some uh, Golden Globes for that. And it's just nice to yeah. be able to work on a show that wins awards and gets um, noticed nationally. Um, people find out that I worked on it. They're like, oh my God, I love that show. It's so great. It's so cool to, to, to hear stories about it. Um, and then Better Things is also another great experience I've had. But you know what? Things are, are going to keep getting better for me, hopefully. And um, 
just uh, going to keep on moving. And, and hopefully um, once I'm done with this health and safety, uh, go back into actual production. And, and, and my dreams are to win like a, an Emmy or a Golden Globe. That's, that would be my biggest accomplishment if that ever happens. And the funny thing is, is that I've had um, production assistants who worked for me on Scrubs who have won um, Emmy Awards. And uh, I've also had a production assistant that worked uh, for me on Scrubs who was the executive producer of Cougar Town. Oh, wow. So it, it happens. And, you know, it's the roles got reversed because at one time I was her boss. And then when I worked on Cougar Town, she was everybody's boss. So um, it's amazing how things happen. You know, you just got to be positive about it and, and hopefully they go your way. It just comes back to that old method. Don't burn bridges, you know, like obviously people can have differences of opinion but as long as what was the policy don't be an asshole yep you know, i think that it'd be more beneficial to everyone involved if you know what you have a, a tiff or an argument you walk away you try and mitigate it sort it out and later on i think i think that's more respectful it, it takes a bigger person to go you know what i'm sorry for abc that's just me personally i, I um, No, you're you're correct and especially in this industry because you bounce around so much you never know when you're going to be meeting that person again or working for them or working with them or working you know having them work under you um and that's why the best thing is just to be respectful and you know give it your your best and and be respectful to everybody. Yeah. You know, if everyone would just follow that, we'd have so many less problems in this world. But. Well, especially, you know, in times of uncertainty, you know, all the stress of the pandemic and all these things. I see, I, I heard a, an interesting quote from, so every Australian pub has a wise old guy. This guy's name is Barry. Hey, Bazza, hey, we'll call Bazza for short. Hey, you go, yeah, good, Mitch. How are you, mate? Like real ocker, real boat. We call like Australian rednecks bogans, real bogan kind of guy. He yeah. said, I'll tell you some advice, son. And he got, grabbed his guts and he whisked them around at this. He goes, I'll, I'll tell you some advice, son. Lens on the bar like this. He said, people like iceberg. You only see on the surface about 5% of them, but underneath, you don't know what's going on. And then Richie's mate, just like your gut, you fat bastard. And he slapped him as hard as he could. Look, oh look Mitch, it's like, it's like a ripple effect. You see that so life lessons at curry curry pub and uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong <laughs> oh man oh my god oh, it's true though i am um, that's funny some of the greatest things i've learned were from those guys and renting it off beer coasters i kill at trivia nights <laughs> <laughs> but i am um, see i'm doing this obviously to hear people's stories and like to get people on like yourself who can offer insight into areas like the entertainment industry or what have you. And, you know, you can offer a story that's important to many people. And I'm aspiring slowly to get into the entertainment industry myself, perhaps in a radio type role. Cause I like, I just like doing this. I'm good at it. I can come up with crap on this. People call me a show bag because I'm full of garbage and I can just ooze it out. <laughs> but to anyone who is potentially interested in taking a similar path to yourself. Like you said, you moved out there. You had the courage to not know what was going on. Um, to anyone looking to take that next chance to leap of faith, what would you say to them? Like, what advice have you got? Uh, I get this question asked a lot. And first off, first thing is don't give up. Um, you know, to me, it, it doesn't matter how much you bother somebody uh, or not. If I would, I just call it bothering because people are like, I don't want to bother this person. But you gotta you gotta make yourself known. You gotta put your resume on top of the list. You gotta keep going at it. You gotta stay with. You gotta contact people and keep contacting them because you know what? Eventually, your name or your face is gonna pop up into their head. And once you get that first opportunity, you give it your best. You 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 come to work every day with happy spirit, happy mood. That you're happy to be there. You're happy to do whatever is needed and you'll be surprised on how that gets you to places. But um, in this industry, I'd say 75% of it is all about who you know. And once you can get yourself um, on that map, you'll go places. So definitely, definitely don't give up. Don't feel like you're bothering somebody. Even if you are, you still call them the next week. You still try. It shows them at least that you're um, passionate about it and that you feel strongly about it and that you're serious and that you're going to do a good job. I've had many people, um, you know, come to LA and somehow my name 
uh, got passed on to them. And they're like, what, what, what do I do? And I'm like, send your resumes, give me your resume, give other people your resumes, just take jobs, take whatever you can to get your name and your face out there. And you'll be surprised it, it works. And you just got to stay with it. You don't give up. Don't give up. So yeah, fair enough. I am. Um, well, that's, that's, I'm doing this. I'm looking always, I, you know, when I appeared on Scrubs or the podcast, rather, I am atop the charts in my category in Australia and the top 10 in the US and the UK. So to everyone listening, thank you. So far, it's been awesome. And I've met um, some amazing people because of it. I even got to do a few celebrity celebrity interviews um, wow. in Australia from the Australian media. So the guy who hosts the Mastermind Show, Mark Fennell, came on. We had a an outrageously funny conversation. Um, and if you want to go back and listen to that, he tells the perspective of when I walked on set and how this whole sort of thing started from his perspective as well. Um, a few Australian comedians like Matt O'Kine, his episode's coming up soon. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I never would have done this unless I took a chance. And obviously I haven't achieved much yet, but it's a good step. I, I disagree. I think you've achieved a lot so far. And I have to tell you, I have listened to your podcast and I am hooked. So Thank you, you got a I've, fan on me. That, that means that that honestly means a lot. Um, Absolutely. And it's, it's crazy. I just, I just rolled over 35,000 likes, uh, sorry, in streams across all the various platforms so far. And, um, uh, a few of the guys from the Fake Doctors Real Friends group have reached out, uh, just Instagram me. Said, "Hey man, just let you know, I'm, I'm re- what you wanted your episode you did on, etc. Resonated with me, and your inspiration has kicked my butt. I've been struggling with AA meetings, and I'm going to go again to. And it's like I'm just a coal miner. I never thought I'd uh, have an influence in someone's life, but it's it, it, it takes you back." Was it with the work that you've done, some of the feedback you would have received over the years, have you ever just been dumbstruck by fans or people just grab you off the street and say, Hey man, what you're doing is awesome. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, um, it's a wonderful feeling. Um, a lot of times you don't get any kind of recognition when you're putting in that hard work. Um, and even if you're a production assistant, it doesn't matter what you do on, on a crew, on a show, you know, you being there matters and to, to get someone to uh, recognize the work that you do and tell you that they love the show that you work on and love everything about it. It's such a great feeling because like I said, you don't really get any kind of recognition during the day. It's like, we're all here doing the same thing. Um, As far as like changing people's lives, I don't know if I've ever changed anybody's life about what I do. I've definitely helped people find jobs and, um, and, you know, let them become successful on their own because, you know, they had it all along, but it, 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 it's a wonderful feeling to get the recognition um, from a fan definitely had people like if I'm wearing a crew jacket or something stop me and you know talk to me and say hey you know do you work on that show and why yes I do so um, (laughs) you know it it, it feels good for sure well I can honestly speak from my own perspective and I'm sure thousands if not millions of people is that you were part of a team that entertained hundreds and millions of people and I personally um, am a huge fan of what you've done love Cougar Town as well I um I've, I've recently gone back through and watched the series that, and I've also watched. I loved House. Um, I love Garden State. You know, this mm-hmm. is some uh, some little snippets of of what you've achieved. Um, and but I know, man, like from my perspective to you, I can I want to say thanks for some of the entertainment you've helped create because without people like yourself, this stuff doesn't doesn't get to entertain millions of people. And um, sincerely, well, thank you. I am. Um, wow that definitely means a lot it's you know just like this experience coming on here with you is 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 rewarding in its own it's um and it feels great so i i really appreciate that i thank you so much oh thank you also i might I'll, probably for the fans i should ask how was your time on garden state because everyone seems to resonate with zach's movie how was the process filming that how was your time at, you were an assistant on that is that right production assistant i was a production assistant for the los angeles unit um sadly uh, most of the sh- the movie was shot in new jersey um but uh zach was definitely um a big part of it and uh so in the beginning I asked him when I heard that he was going to shoot it. I'm from New York, so I figured it would be great uh, to to go back home uh, and then work a little bit there. Um, But just the scheduling between when they were starting pre-production and I was still finishing up on the season of Scrubs, 
it just wasn't going to work out. So when um, the movie came to finish up in Los Angeles, Zach uh, gave me a call and was like, hey, I want you to help me out with this. And I was like, absolutely. So I worked, I think, maybe three or four days. Uh, we did um, the airport uh, scenes with um, Zach and um, we did a couple of scenes at like there's a scene where one of the guys is laying in a pool um it, it was not majority of the film because that was shot in new jersey but it was a great time we still had uh, a lot of the scrubs crew uh, also came on to work on that for the los angeles unit and again just another masterpiece from zach it's like i don't think anybody would say that that's not a great movie it just that movie touched many people. That's two, so. two of my favorite actors in it and their chemistry on, on set was would have been awesome. Tell us some more stories. So, I mean, like there were times where Zach would do uh, some appearances on talk shows and um, one, for example, he was on the show Jimmy Kimmel Live and it was on a night where uh, he still had to come back to finish up shooting. So they sent me along with him and he was like, well, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to be part of your entourage. So uh, basically my job was to make sure that once he was done shooting uh, his show with Jimmy Kimmel to get him back, you know, in the, in the van and get him back to set as soon as possible. So somehow uh, my nickname became Turtle based off of the Jerry Ferrara character in Entourage. And so it became a thing where anytime he did an appearance during uh, a work day on a talk show, uh, I got to go with him. Yeah. So uh, the driver, the three steam driver. <laughs> I, I I was in there with him. I was in his green room, and I did two Jimmy Kimmels. I even was there when Zach and Donald did the guy love um, skit on Jimmy Kimmel, um, and they just called me Turtle. Uh, another sad situation I had was um, I actually delivered the skip the script to John Ritter. Uh, to his house on the day that he passed away. Oh and no, that so, was a, that was a sad day. So uh, I I sent it to his house, gave it to his um, I guess housekeeper, whoever was there at the time. And uh, by the time I got back, the news had hit that he had passed away, and I was just like, I was just at his house. Um, and then we had to shut down for um, some time to kind of rewrite the script because I believe he was going to be appearing the following week. Yeah. Um. What else? I don't know. Do you guys know like about the whole call Turk? Zach and Zach. I think it was Zach or Donald said that there was an actual phone that people would call, and then whoever would pick it up would just be like, "Hello, did you take any of the calls?" I not only took the calls, but I got the phone. So we had to. <laughs> you got the call Turk out. phone. <laughs> yeah. So they sent me out to. I believe it was AT and T. It was very specific that we got that number. I think it was. I don't remember. I think it was nine one six Cal Turk. C-A-L because we couldn't get the exact number yeah. and it was just an idea that someone had like no one knew that it was it lasted for weeks that phone would go off all the time and um, we would pick it up we would talk to people and the, the crew and the cast would talk to people in the beginning everyone was like ecstatic about it you know zach and donald and johnny c and Evan, bill lawrence everybody wanted to take the phone they brought someone even brought it home with them for the weekend because they were having such a good time with it it lasted for weeks and finally we were just like you know either turn it off or put it on vibrate because it was just becoming so much had no idea that it was going to turn into to that um and then we had like scrubs factor where Bill and the writers would come up with, you know, kind of, we had a show here, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, called Fear Factor back in the day. We have a few, we had a get... Fear Factor here for a bit too. Uh... Okay. So, you know, you would get, the premise of it was you would get some uh, some contestants to do some pretty gnarly stuff. And, um, you know, we had crew eating frog legs and crickets. And um, I literally spent a few minutes inside um, the morgue. That was one of them just to see who can, stay in there the longest um would have been scary it was it was yeah it was dark and it was disgusting and i don't know how i did it but um that you know stuff like that uh we had barbecues um every season before we started up we had a kickoff barbecue and we had all the families family members we had food and we always had a musical guest so we had like colin hay singing oh how good um josh Raiden came um carrie brothers 
uh, it was just classic. It was amazing. And it was, you know, we got everybody back together again. It was like our, hey, welcome back. What's going on? How are you? Um, and so they just, they were just so awesome. They, we, we, we had a party in Las Vegas and the producers literally bought everybody a hotel room and a plane ticket to fly. They flew every single crew member out there for two nights put them up in a hotel and we was that, partied. Was that where they filmed the first few episodes of season six? Because JD and Tur- or JD went out there, episode one of season six. He uh, got married by the, the Queens. They took him out there in the convertible or was it a different? No, time? that was, a, that was, a, it was just for partying. Okay, cool. Um, we, I think we had a premiere party or maybe it was the hundredth episode might've been of our hundredth episode, but we went back as a crew. Um, we shot, uh, with the blue man group, um, in one of the episodes, I don't remember what season it was. So that was in Vegas. Um, and you know, they took most people to the Bahamas. We did an episode in the Bahamas. One Bahama um, mama, please. Easy on the mama. <laughs> see? Just, just, just so generous and, and things. Mem- we made memories that we would never forget and actually probably never experienced in any other show before or after. Um, to this day, I haven't come across anything like Scrubs. Do you think that's one of the reasons for its cult success? Because like Bill Lawrence is running a what seemingly is a tight-knit ship with high morale. Do you think that's what the secret is to having a successful show is having everyone in good spirits and allowing a workplace knowing that there's not going to be any negative vibes? And if there are, they'll be shown the gate. 100%. It makes all the difference in the world. You have people that actually love coming to work. I mean, how many people do you know that actually love going to work? Very few. Very few. So it's like once you love going back to work, you don't want to leave. And that's why, like, even when I said on Friday nights, when everyone was so exhausted and all you want to do is go home and get to sleep, be with your family, you still went out. Yeah. And w- when you got to the bars, it was like you didn't see these people. It was like, hey, what's going on? How are you? Like, meanwhile, you were just working with them a half an hour before that. You know, and it was just a completely different atmosphere. Um, everyone was in good moods. They're happy. They loved each other. And, you know, obviously alcohol definitely helps. But um, yes, it does. <laughs> you know, it, it, it definitely helps make all the difference in the world because you get the best performance out of everybody, not just the cast. You get the crew. Everyone's willing to go above and beyond uh, more than what you would expect. That's cool. I um on on a day, just say we'll take take us through like a you you arrive to set. Just take us through just a regular day. How many people would be there during one day between all the production staff, all the camera workers, the I don't know the correct jargon, but how many people would be on set each day? Do you think? We had about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty all together. Um, on a general day, we, our call time would be like seven a.m., which is pretty early to have to you know you just got home feels like. Um, in casts and hair and makeup, going over their lines, cracking jokes. Um, Bill checks in with everybody to make sure that uh, you know everything's good. Um, and then that's it. You get you they're once they're out of makeup and they're in their wardrobe, you're on one of the three floors shooting. Um, and as far as myself, you know, we would constantly be getting script rewrites. So uh, Bill and the writers would just come up with ideas on the fly and they would write it down, piece of paper, script uh, coordinator would type it up. And we were literally just making copies left and right. And like the cast, there were days where we didn't even have a script and the cast were and the crew because we have to prep for it too. If there's specific props that were needed uh, or specific wardrobe. Uh, and they just came up with these scenes on the fly. Um, we would shoot the day without even knowing what the next scene was going to be. So it, it didn't happen often, but towards the end of the seasons, when the writers were working so hard to come up with new content, it was harder to have them the scripts come out. So by Tuesday afternoon, we would have a full script, but Mondays were always like on the fly, on the go. Like, oh, Bill just wrote a scene. Here it goes. Let's get it out to everybody. That's um, cool. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard because what's that? I was just going to say it, it, it would be interesting to sit in the writer's room and just listen to the different ideas coming out and about. Like, I would imagine some of the stuff that never made it to air would have been absolutely hilarious. Yeah, well, yeah these I, guys are, they were, they, they were hilarious. 
I'm sorry, go on. I cut you off. Oh, no, that's all good. I um, I was just going to ask, were you ever able to sort of just sit back and in the distance hear some of the ideas that these people would come out with? Uh, when when they were serious into the writing, the doors were closed. Um, but like, you know, they would have dry erase boards and they even started writing on the walls with markers, with, with just some hilarious stuff. So I was never in the room when they were actually, you know, working seriously about things but i would go in and just you know um talk to them and and uh constant jokes you know throwing footballs around and um there was once a time where um one of the uh writers the script coordinators was like i dare you to go in there and lift up your shirt and i was like there's no way i'm gonna do that bill's in there you know there's no way no, no, no the writers will love it bill's not there bill's not there so i'm like fine whatever so i walk into the writer's room and bill had this big brown leather chair where you couldn't even see him from behind because it was so big like classic and bad guy and james bond style <laughs> exactly and so literally um i went in there and i did the truffle shuffle from goonies you know where the <laughs> where Chonky, you know like and literally oh, fantastic. i remembered in slow motion the chair slowly just started turning around and i was like what the fuck and there it is and, and there's bill and i'm like i go oh shit and i ran out and i was like oh my god um Later on that day, I was so embarrassed. I went over to Bill. I'm like, Bill, I'm so sorry. They told me you weren't here. He's like, are you kidding me, man? That was classic. You got the writers laughing. That's what I like about you. You know, don't worry about it. It was funny. And I was like, oh, my God. What what did I do? (laughs) So, um, like I said, I was a jokester on on the crew, too. No, fair enough, man. Um, I guess one of my last questions would be, would be, what was one of the characters that you thought you resonated with the most? If I can ask that, is there any, any on-screen portrayals that you can relate to yourself? You know, he has his, um, his, his, uh, flash well all the flashbacks yeah when he has his flashbacks he's in the moment he's like taking it all in daydreaming that's stuff that i do a lot of times too um i i definitely life is so hard and 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 so quick and you know there's got to be some funny in everything that you do so i'm always like you know doing the daydreaming like with my my looking up into the sky i like <laughs> picturing something else um other than that no i mean i don't really i, I never thought about it um I'm going to say no. I, um, I was more, yeah, probably a combination of the janitor because I was always sort of like random and, you know, kind of a, an idiot, I guess. But at the same time, I was a little bit neurotic like Elliot and I was a little bit, you know, tell it how it is like Cox. So it was interesting. Um, and, you know, I've never been able to deliver rants, but I just, as an Australian, just tell it exactly how it is. Whereas yeah. Cox, you you could tell that he wanted to say the F word a few times, but you know, whatever. Um, uh, Johnny C, man, he's a, he's a master. He, he literally writes his, um, his dialogue down in a notebook. And I believe he would record himself saying the other character's lines so that he can read his lines back. He's oh, yeah. a perfectionist. And he, he also, um, studied so hard that concentrated on set so much that if there was anybody in his eye line on set from a distance gotta move because he couldn't concentrate if there was somebody on the side of his vision that either shouldn't be there or needed to get out of the way because he just couldn't concentrate without with that person standing there so he just commanded respect yep He's just like, cut that person over there, move. Yeah, fair um, enough. Here, Zach and Donald have spoken a bit about, like, you know, you, they end the scene, you got some fire there, you know, we, we did some stuff with the editing department, or, you know, it sounds like it was fun, man. Um, but from my perspective, I just wanted to say thanks again. I, I'm uh, literally struggling to think of stuff to ask you at the moment, but I'll definitely, if you're up for it, good, de- definitely do a round two in the next little while if you want to. Absolutely, man. Keep in touch. Um, I'm definitely down to to work with you on anything sounds like a plan sir thank you probably wrap things up there shortly but i just wanted to ask you going forward is there anything any other messages that you'd like to say to well some of your fans or you know some of the people out there that have truly are admirers of what you've done i mean that post you put up in the page i mean it's got over 500 likes in over in only a few days so there are people out there <laughs> and the comments are just pure love like pure fire um yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for, you know, uh, being a part of this process and, and um, you know, all the feedback and, and all the fans out there who love this show. I love it too. Um, 
so thank you for that. Um, and, you know, just as some advice, like, like I said, don't give up, just keep pushing forward in whatever you do, just keep moving forward and um, be positive. Um, I think are the biggest things and be nice to people, be nice, be respectful. Um, and, and, Hopefully you get to where you want to be and be happy. Don't so. worry, be happy. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my favorites. Well, on from from me, man. Like the biggest uh, thank you comes from me because to give someone their time, to, it's you know it's it's a currency that you can't can't give back. So it's meant the world to talk to you today. Um, oh, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. I I feel honored to be a guest on here. Like I said, you know when I wrote that comment on the. Um, the fan page for the podcast. I had no idea that I was going to get to be here on your podcast. Um, I've definitely enjoyed it and I'm a big fan of yours. So oh, we will uh, be, we will be doing more stuff in the future. I'm hoping can't wait. Keep it up. Absolutely. Keep it up. And I'm going to, uh, I'm a listener. So you got me. Well, uh, this episode will be out sooner rather than later and I'll, I'll post it to the masses, but thanks again, Jared. You're an absolute champion of a guy. And I, Look forward to talking to you very soon. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, there's a multitude of ways to get in contact with the show. Check out www.lifesofmitchpodcast.com, all one word. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to get involved with the show, hear the email icon on the website. Share your story and I'll try and get you on. Also on the website, you'll find a few different links for streaming services available. And as always, I want to say thank you all for listening and I'll catch you on the next one.